How many are thankful for the blood of Jesus this morning? The cleansing, healing, redeeming blood of Jesus. By the time you leave this morning, my prayers, you're going to have a better understanding of the blood. If you'd go to the book of Isaiah this morning, major prophet Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1. Give me a good amen when you get there. God's going to speak to us in a powerful way this morning. Isaiah chapter 1. Some of the most powerful, powerful verses in the whole Bible are right here in this verse we're going to read in just a second. But one thing I want you to understand is that to understand, I say this a lot, to understand what we've been what we've been saved from really helps us appreciate it better. When we realize what our destination should be this morning by sin, it makes us appreciate the fact that we don't have to go there. Amen? And all throughout the history of mankind, we have had people who have rebelled against God and rebelled against His Word and rebelled against His will even though God has always been trying to pull us back and get us back into fellowship with Him, we just always as a people just seem to be rebellious and just don't seem to be able to say, yes, God, we'll follow your ways. And you see that all throughout the Bible. And those who follow His ways don't always have everything they want, but they have everything they need. And those who follow His ways know that this, this current trouble we could be going through cannot compare to the glory that was going to be revealed amen when we get to heaven and Romans 8 says that amen it's it, whenever I talk to somebody that's a good verse to give to somebody if they're going through something on this earth this week several people I talked to were going through some really serious stuff and I sent them that verse and said read Romans 8 18 because it says this the current trouble and I'm paraphrasing that we're going through cannot compare to the glory that we will have in heaven but before we read this, I just want to give an understanding that even in this chapter of Isaiah, right before we read this verse, God again is speaking through Isaiah and he's talking about the sinful nation, the rebellious nation. And in, in the first verses of chapter 1, he's, he's talking about their evil. Their children are corruptors. They've forsaken the Lord. They've provoked God to anger. They've turned away. How many know that's a, that, that's a day we're seeing today, amen? We're seeing people turn away from God. We're seeing people uh, anger God with their actions and, and their lack of respect for the word of God and the things of, of more, even morality. So we know this morning that we are sinners. We know that we need a savior this morning. And we know this morning that we need, uh, can we get that thing? There we go, perfect, thank you. Perfect, right on time. We know that we need uh a, a, a savior because we're sinners but we don't sometimes understand the power that we have in the blood of Jesus now I could have put up many pictures this morning this is just something where hopefully you're just focusing on that drop of blood because when you really think about the blood and you think about what Jesus did on the cross it was gory there was a lot of bloodshed and one of the things that I think is one of the biggest hiccups for people in the world that are believers is to understand why blood. Has anybody like me ever asked that question? Why blood? Why, 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 why is it so important that we talk about blood? And, and most people say that's gross. And, 
And some people don't like the sight of blood, let alone talk about it, amen? Blood, 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 why blood? And you just begin to think about that. And, and I'm going to do a little illustration in a moment this morning, but I want you to read this verse. The Lord put this verse on my heart. Verse 18 of chapter 1 says, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. And this is, this is some of the most powerful words you'll ever read if you're a sinner this morning, which is all of us. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Amen? Those are some short words, but some powerful words, because the blood of Jesus this morning cleanses us from our sin. And when God looks at us without the blood of Jesus covering us, he only sees one thing, sin. Just one thing. He, he cannot look upon us and not see sin but for the blood of Jesus. So that's why we're talking about the power of the cleansing, healing, redeeming blood of Jesus. This is a, a, a message and a title and a, and a theme that should be the center point of every believer's life. It should be the center point of every believer's walk. It should be the center point of every church's doctrine that we believe in the precious, powerful blood of Jesus Christ because it is what makes us white like snow. Now, before we go to the book of Genesis, I'm going to show you really quickly and really easily why blood. Okay, and as a matter of fact, let's go there and I'll come back to Isaiah in just a second. Just hold that space there in Isaiah and just go to the first book of the Bible in Genesis. And I'm going to show you why blood. Why it's so important for blood to be shed. Why blood is the key to our salvation. You must understand that it's not enough that Jesus just died on the cross. How many understand that? Or that Jesus just died. Jesus, if he would have came and done everything he did, and some people say, why the cross? Why the cross? Why the cross? Why does that have to be a cross? Well, if he'd have died any other way, let's, let's just make a, an example. If he'd have died, burned alive, there would have been no shedding of blood there. If he'd have, been di if he'd have died uh, in his sleep, he just died. He came for humanity, but he just died. Th there had to be the shedding of blood. The shedding of blood. Okay, there had to be that. And I'll probably read it again. Leviticus 17 says, without the shedding of blood, and, and, we're, and, and this is also in Hebrews, without the shedding of blood, look at that, the, there is no forgiveness of sins. Okay? How many are looking at that? Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Okay? Can't be any clearer than that. So when we think about this, I'm going to explain to you why blood. When we think about sin... We think about, why do I have sin in my life? Well, the Bible tells us in Romans, very easy math equation, one man sinned and caused all men to be sinners. Is that correct? One man sinned, one man rebelled, and caused all to be sinners. And then the Bible says, one man, righteous, died for sinners and caused all men to be what? Forgiven, if they believe. 
So we say, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. Well, let's see why there has to be that. In, in chapter 3, or sorry, chapter 4 of Genesis, now Adam, Eve, Adam and Eve knew his, Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. This is the first birth of Adam and Eve, their first child, Cain. And then she bore again, and this time her brother Abel, Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. Now this is all going to tie together in a second. He respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering So Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. And so the Lord said to Cain, Why are you so angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now watch this, Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against him, against his brother, and did what? Killed him. And the Lord said to Cain, now watch this, this is why we have to have the shedding of blood. The Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what have you done? Watch this. The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. The voice of your brother's what? Blood cries out to me from the ground. So now, watch this. So now, after what? After the shedding of blood. Now, you are cursed from the earth which has opened its mouth, look at this, to receive your brother's, what? Blood from your hand. So here we see again, why do we need the shedding of blood? Because the first sin from Cain and Abel after Adam and Eve had left the garden was that Cain got angry and shed blood. And that blood, ever since Cain killed Abel, that blood has cried out to God. To be what? To be justified. To be redeemed. That blood that was shed. It was never God's intention that a, that a brother would kill a brother. Never. And since that very day, the blood has always cried out to God. And the only way that that blood can be silenced is by the shedding of blood by sacrifice. To replace that blood that was shed in anger and in sin that caused the curse. How many are with me so far? How many are following that? It makes sense that he must see the blood. And so we know that that's what began way back in the Old Testament. The shedding of blood of the animals of sacrifice. Whenever they sinned and they did something wrong, they had to go and they had to get the perfect lamb and they had to kill it and they had to take the blood and they had to sprinkle it on the altar. And so whenever they did that, God would look down and he would see the blood shed and it would be pleasing to him and it would be okay in his eyes and his sight 
and it would make him his anger go away and so we see why the shedding of blood had to take place now something very interesting that's going to take us back to Isaiah is what we're going to see here again right here in Genesis chapter 4 is that we saw the the offering that Cain and Abel made to God how many know that they both made an offering they both gave something to God but what was the reason that God was not pleased with Cain's offering it was not that the that the it was not the amount it was not uh, how he gave it it was not where he gave it it wasn't even what he gave it was the heart with which he gave it he gave it with a bad heart he gave it with the wrong spirit and so that is why God looked down at Cain's and said, I do not respect your offering, but he respected the offering of Abel. Besides the fact that Abel gave his first fruits, it's most likely that Cain gave not only with a bad attitude, but he gave leftovers. And then we see here that it says, why are you so angry? He knows why Cain's angry. It's like when he asked Adam, where are you in the garden? He knew where Adam was. God gives us a question so that we will answer it. And when we answer it with the right heart and attitude, he's pleased. Hey, why did you do what you did? And we say, well, I didn't do it. Wrong answer. God says, no, wrong answer. I'm not, that's, not the, that's not the answer I was looking for. Do you need a lifeline? Do you need to call somebody? That's not the answer I was looking for. I need you just to confess to me. How many see that all throughout the Bible? You see someone get in trouble, and God just wants them to confess. He just wants them to fess up and say, this is what I did. He did not do that. And so we see here, how many, how many get an understanding there why we have to have the shedding of blood? Because of the first murder and because of the blood that fell to the ground, and since that day has cried out to God, and so that's why it started. Then we obviously know why, why Jesus had to come. But go back to Isaiah chapter 1 real quick. And I'm going I'm to be talking more about this tonight, so please come back. I'm going to get into some really powerful stuff, maybe even into Wednesday, about the power of the cleansing, healing, redeeming blood of Jesus, because this is something we could talk about for a long time, the power of the blood. And when we begin to learn about the blood of Jesus, we begin to learn how to apply the blood of Jesus. And when we begin to learn how to apply the blood of Jesus, we begin to, begin to see healings. We begin to see breakthroughs. We begin to see miracles. We begin to understand how to use the dominion of the word with the blood of Jesus. So we look back over here in, in Isaiah chapter 1. And all through, I don't want you to read it for time right now, but all through this, this, this chapter, before it gets to the part that says, Though your, skins are like, your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. All leading up to that, we see him talking about a sinful, iniquity-laden nation, root of evildoers, children of corrupt, forsaken the Lord, and we see all these different things, and we hear God say, if you'll look quickly with me in chapter 1, verse 11, you there? To what purpose, watch this, watch what God says, to what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me? Now remember what we've been talking about lately, that we need, to, we need to pay attention and we need to pray before we come to church so that we can get a revelation. So that we don't just hear a word, but something says, wow, man, I've never thought of that before, I've never heard that before, I've never got that before, I've never grasped that, wow, that makes sense now. Because you think, why would God say to what, 
What purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices? Our answer in the flesh would be because you asked us to do it. Right? What? He said, why, are you, why are you offering all these sacrifices to me? And we would be like, because you asked us to. That's not what he's saying. Watch what he says. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me? Says the Lord, I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle. Look at this. This is going to sound crazy. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or goats. Just think about that for a second. That don't make no sense. I don't delight in that. What do you mean, God? You're sitting here telling us this is what we're supposed to do. What do you mean you don't delight in it? If you don't delight in it, then why do we don't delight in it either? Why do we need to do it? Why are you asking us to, to bring these lambs and goats and sheep before you and, and, and slaughter them if you, don't, if you don't care about that, if you don't delight in that? Well, see, that's the, that's the angle that a religious person would look at it. But God has not called us to be religious. God has called us to be people of relationship and love with our Father. And we see here something very powerful. He says, when you come to appear before me, in verse 12, who has required this from your hand to trample my courts? Now look at this in verse 13. Bring no more futile sacrifices. Incense is an abomination to me. The new moons, the Sabbaths, the calling of the city. He, he's just, I mean, he is going off here and he is saying, I am sick and tired of you doing these things with the wrong spirit and attitude and heart. He says, I, I don't want you to bring me these sacrifices anymore if you're doing them just to do them. How many know that is the battle that every believer has? To never get into the rut of becoming religious. Because we can sing a song, the blood of Jesus, there's power in the blood of Jesus. I mean, we can get into so much stuff that we do and so much routine. And, 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 and there's good in routine. There's good in that. I'm not totally taking it away. But if we forget what the blood is, if we forget that that one drop right there, that one drop of blood is so precious, it came from Jesus and it was shed for me and so it makes me begin to want to say God I don't want to trample on your blood I don't want to misuse your blood I don't want to just throw your blood around this blood is precious to me and I want to make sure that I'm living a life and having a heart that's precious to you that that blood you shed is not in vain. And so we see that really, listen, the issue of the blood this morning that we know it has to be shed. We know it had to be shed in the Old Testament. We know Jesus had to come and shed it. And now in the New Testament, we know we have to apply it. We have to apply the blood. So we see here the attitude is the, what matters. The ultimate issue, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you don't get anything else, get this. The ultimate issue of the blood is the attitude of the heart. It's the attitude of the heart. It's the right relationship if, with your heart. And to be acceptable, 
the sacrifice, listen, to, to be an acceptable sacrifice. When he's over here saying, I don't want them anymore. What purpose is it? I'm tired of them. They're futile. They, they don't, I don't, he's not saying he doesn't want them. He's saying, I don't want them the way you're giving them to me. I don't want them with an attitude that's not godly, that's not, that's not devote, devotion, that's not acceptable, that's not heartfelt. He says, for it to be acceptable, the sacrifice must, sacrifice must represent sincere devotion. And so God's holiness, we talked about holiness a couple weeks ago, God's holiness required the blood for cleansing. Okay, how many are there? God's holiness requires the blood for cleansing. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. But the right relationship was God's ultimate goal. The right relationship was God's ultimate goal. How many agree with that this morning? The right relationship. You know, we get into that and it's the thing that we have to battle as human beings every day is our flesh. Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And we see there in, in Cain and Abel that they, they, they did the right thing, but they did it with the wrong, one did it with the wrong attitude. And the other did it with the right attitude. And we see also that sometimes when you do things with the right attitude, you might die. <laughs> Abel did the right thing and lost his life. All he was doing was the right thing and he died. His brother killed him. He became the first martyr, amen, and did the dance into heaven, knowing he did the right thing. Cain cursed the rest of his life, running for his life. How many know when we're doing the right thing, we don't have to run? When our heart and our attitude's right, we don't have to run, amen? We don't have to look around. We don't have to be afraid. The Bible says we can come into the throne room of grace boldly because I know how to apply and, and understand with the right relationship the blood. I want to give you a few verses this morning before I end with a powerful illustration. Leviticus chapter 17, I said this already, but I want you to write it down. Don't look at these for time. It's going to be hard for you to stay with it, but if you can, that's fine. But more than anything, write them down. Here's a few things that the Bible says about the blood. The cleansing, healing, redeeming blood of Jesus. Leviticus 17, 11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. Now let me just stop there for a second. To make atonement for your souls. Some of you in here might say, what is atonement? What does that mean? It means him taking your place. It means him taking away your sins. It means sacrifice for you. Atonement. He came down to be the atonement for our sins. He came down to be the sacrifice for our sins. It says, it is the atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. We will all die a physical death, but the blood of Jesus will give us atonement for our soul that will live forever, for our spirit that will go either to heaven or to hell when we die as human beings. And then down in verse 14 of 17 of Leviticus, it says, For it is the life of all flesh, and its blood sustains all life. I've done messages in the past, that's not the intention today, but I've done messages in the past about the blood, and I've gone into the scientific part of blood. I've gone into the power of what blood is and how it works and, and that side. And we have many nurses in here and people who work in, 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 in therapy and things, people who understand the body. And we see that blood is our life. 
You can live without a lot of things, but you cannot live without blood. And if your body comes unplugged and it don't plug quick, you're going to die. Amen? Friday night, Thursday night, we had an accident in Carrollton that nobody knows about. Pastor Dylan and I were putting the basketball hoops together. And there was some shedding of blood. Quite a bit. If you don't plug the hole quick, you'll bleed to death. Amen. We're putting some hoops together, and Andy was there helping us, and we lost a screw somewhere. So he ran over to AutoZone next door, and while he was there, Pastor Dylan had said, I want to dunk on that. He was like seven feet or eight feet. I want to dunk on that thing so I can, you know, we can video it. So, you know, we were tired and bored, and so I said, come on, let's go. So I turned my camera on, and... He, he, I filmed him, you know, dunking. So he threw the ball up, and he dunked it. He threw it through, and he's laughing and having fun. And he goes back, and he felt like he needed to do it a second time. And I'm still videoing. And he did it again, but this time he pulled down on the rim, and there was no water in the base yet. And so it fell right on his head. And I have the video. It's for select people. It will not go public, I promise, unless he puts it. But let me tell you something. I don't know if I've ever laughed so hard at first. And my, my daughter saw it, and they, 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 I couldn't stop. I, can't, I laugh every time I watch it. We had a good time. Don't worry. He's, he's, good. he's fine, by the way. But w- once he got hit, it was, it was funny at first, okay? And I'm laughing. And then all of a sudden, he comes towards me, and he's like, Pastor, Pastor, wait. And then, like blood is gushing out like, Yosem- like Yellowstone Park, Yosemite. It's, it's like... <sighs> He's like, we, we got to go now. We left Andy there. My car was open. We jumped in the car. We ran entire five miles to the hospital. I mean, it is, he can't get it to stop. Blood is everywhere. So like I said, if you don't plug the hole, you bleed to death. The only thing I was afraid of was that he was going to pass out, and I didn't know where the hospital was. And my phone was dying. So I was praying, and I was trying to say, stay calm, stay calm. So we got, to the, we got to the hospital, and we made the nurses and doctors day. I don't think they've ever seen anybody so bloody come in so funny and laugh so hard. I mean, he was laughing the entire time we were there. Once he found out he wasn't going to die, right? Because at first he was a little, little worried. And, and uh, so the nurse says, well, tell me what happened. And I said, no, I don't have to tell you what happened. Look. <laughs> and I showed her, and she just lost it. And then the doctor comes in and he says, hey, what happened? I said, here, look. And he lost it. And we, he says, y'all made our day tonight. We're there, you know, it was the end of their shift and everything. So he got five staples in his head. And we went back and finished the basketball hoops. But the blood, when it is shed, it's got to be plugged. Or your life goes out with it, amen? And we know people have bled to death. So there's power in the blood of Jesus we see here Hebrews 9.22, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. 1 John 1.7 says, the blood of Jesus, now this is, these are some verses that to just, to just simply make us happy and thankful. It says, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin cleanses us how many have ever been really dirty and you went and took a shower and just felt so amazing to get that dirt off of you that that's that's what the blood of jesus does it cleanses us i'm i'm kind of weird i cannot stand to have anything on my hands 
Anybody who's ever eaten with me knows I go through about 75 napkins, and I'm, and I'm called the napkin thief. I always take everybody's napkins because I don't like anything on my fingers. So I'm always, like, using napkins, and I love to wash my hands. Like, I can't stand dirt being on them. And even when you do the little, um, what's it called, sanitizer, that's just temporary for me. I got to get somewhere and wash my hands because I just have it, have it on there still. I, I don't know if there's anybody else in here like that, but it just feels so good to get your hands clean with a lot of soap and know that they're clean. It's so good to know this morning that when there's sin in our life, his blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Amen. It cleanses us and makes us clean and it makes us in good standing with God. And Revelations 1.5 said, Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins, in his own blood. Let me give you a couple more. Exodus chapter 12. Verse 13. says, when I see the blood. Now watch this. I'm closing this morning. Watch this. He says, when I see the blood. This is the Passover. I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you. When I smite the land of Egypt, when I see the blood, when we pray and we confess our sins, we say, Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus over my life. Father, cover me. If you've ever heard us pray, cover me with the blood of Jesus. Father, let nothing be seen but the blood of Jesus. Amen? How many would like to hear just a couple of quick testimonies of the power of the blood of Jesus? We have, in our fellowship, as, we, as, you, as we've said here, many, many churches around the world, and God is really moving all around the world. And we have a couple testimonies from our churches in Czech Republic. Listen to these. These are, these are not headache miracles. These are not, you know, stomach pain miracles. These are real miracles. This guy named Edward Harvan, and I'm going to read this in their English, I don't know if they translated or who translated, but it's not the greatest English, but I'm going to read it as they wrote it. It says, I was a man that did not believe in Christ Jesus, and I got news from the doctor that I am sick. It was my nodes. After surgery in the hospital, they told me that the tumor I had was cancer. They started chemotherapy, radiation, but the cancer was in stage four. Anybody who knows anything about cancer knows that's the end. So there was no hope for me. When I was in my weakest, I started to believe in Jesus, and I have opened my heart to him. Because of the great pain, I have asked the Lord to take me to him. But God showed himself to me. I have seen Jesus Christ. I saw a great light, and he told me that it is not my time yet. So from the time I started to believe in Jesus, I invited Pastor Oscar and Pastor Pavel over to my house, and they prayed over me. That was on a Sunday I went for a doctor check the next day on Monday, and they did an examination twice. The doctor was surprised. I have absolutely zero cancer in my body, and I am healed today because of the blood of Jesus. How many know that the blood of Jesus still heals? We believe that this morning. Amen? Monica says, and I won't even try to say her last name, I was sick. I had cancer, a tumor, and skin cancer. I was so bad in my skin cancer that I could not go out in the sunshine, and I was in pain all the time. I was suffering, and it was very bad with me 
Because of the skin cancer, I was not able to go through any of the radiation therapy because I would burn my skin through. But praise to God, Pastor Oscar prayed for, Oscar prayed for me, and a miracle took place. I was healed within one week. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to Jesus. And I have the doctor's report in my hand that I am healed. Amen. The last one is, I have lived a common life as everyone who does not know Jesus lives in sin. And I have done things, this is Livia in Slovakia, that our Lord does not like. But one day our pastor Rasta with his wife came to my house. And on that day, I got to know Jesus. See, people are still getting to know Jesus, amen? People are still getting saved every day. It was because Pastor Rasta knows how to show the narrow way to our Lord. Remember, I'm reading it like they wrote it. So I have started to come to the church service, but I have gotten sick. I had pain in my belly every day, and I was bleeding. I did not know why or what was going on with me. So I went to the doctor and he told me there's something growing in my uterus and on my ovaries. He himself did not know what it was, but he filled out paper for me to go to the hospital for surgery. But that week, my mother that is old got sick and I was not able to go to the hospital. And we had service on the 17th of January in Poprad. I know that day exactly for that day, Pastor Rasta and other pastors prayed for me to be healed. And I came home that day and prayed. And the following day, Monday, I went to the doctor to see how things were in my body. And he says, she says, I will never forget how the doctor jumped out of his chair with joyful shouts as he said praise be to God you are absolutely healed and there is nothing in your body wrong and you are totally healthy by the blood of Jesus amen musicians you can come this morning the blood of Jesus cleanses me amen the blood of Jesus Donnie uh, help me out with something before you come up here and uh, Brian if you could just go into my office and grab the three cups that I want to show you guys a visual. Some of you might have seen it, but it's pretty awesome to show you what the blood of Jesus does in our lives. I really wanted the kids to be out here, but I didn't want to take them out of their Sunday school. So I might do it again tonight. Some of you might have seen this, like I said, but it's really, really a neat visual. Appreciate it. Yes, thank you. So simple, simple illustration. This is us, or what we think is us. A lot of times we picture ourselves like this, that we're, we're good. A lot of people think, I'm good. I'm not that bad. And, and we would never, ever see ourselves like, like God sees us, because sin makes us ugly. You know how I know that? Because Isaiah says, my righteousness is like filthy rags so no matter how good I am I'm not good this is really not me what happens is sin comes into my life this is what sin looks like dark and dirty and ugly and sin comes into our lives and just the slightest little bit stains us doesn't take much I probably should have done this up there then we sin again and sin just keeps getting worse until we no longer look like what we thought. We look like sin. And we're tainted. 
And I, before I do this last thing, I, I, heard this, I heard the most amazing illustration. A lot of people think because of the background they came from, they cannot be forgiven. A lot of times at altar calls, we'll say, you might be here and you might say, you don't know what I've done. And I heard the most amazing illustration this week. And it was this. We don't see snow much here. But a lot of places in the world get a lot of snow. And he said, there's a house here. And there's two paths to that house. One path is totally straight. And it's real clean. And there's not much rugged on it. It's real straight and, and, and real uh, smooth. And it gets to that house. And one person might be walking on that smooth path. And then there's another path to that house from the wilderness and it is rugged and it is curved and it has trees and rocks and low places and high places and it's a mess. And that would be the symbol of somebody's life. And this would be the symbol of maybe somebody else's life. But they, they both need to get to that house. And it says when that snow comes down on the ground and falls, it covers both paths. To where now when you look at the white snow, you don't know what path they came from. And that is what God sees when he sees the blood of Jesus. He doesn't see our path. He doesn't see where we came from. All he sees is the white that covers us like the blood of Jesus. So Jesus comes along and sheds his blood for us. And look what he does. He makes us clean. And washes all of our sin away. Just like that. And this is what we look like when Jesus sees the blood he doesn't see the sin and once that blood is applied this was a pretty amazing thing that I saw actually I was just messing around with it that blood's still there and even when we sin it doesn't taint us again because if, if, if we confess our sins he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and once that blood has covered us, Satan can't get at us again. Look at that. That blood just washes all the sin away. Look at that. No matter how much you put in there, it stays clean. Amen. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Brian, if you could just grab that. Take them individually because thank you. Father, in this place this morning, we, we just want to really understand how powerful your blood is. God, God, I thank you this morning. I just want to personally thank you for the power of the blood. And Lord, I know that you shed that blood on the cross for me. Your word even says that once you had said it is finished, they were going to come and break your legs, but they couldn't break your legs because prophetically in the book of Psalms, you said through your word and through David, no bones will be broken. They didn't break your bones because you were already done. You had already finished. You would already given the spirit up. You had already defeated death on the cross. And then they stuck that spirit through your side. And the Bible says blood and water flowed. So I hope today as we, as we close that from now on you'll have a better understanding of the power of the blood of Jesus. And when we sing about the blood, it won't gross you out. It'll make you so thankful. It'll make you so thankful this morning that no matter what you've done in your life, in your past, no matter if it's been really bad or hasn't been so bad, it doesn't really matter. That, that blood 
is covered by the white precious blood of Jesus and that's why we go back to Isaiah that says though your sins are like scarlet they shall be white as snow though they are red like crimson they shall be as wool 